Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? You know, this week, uh, the the wife and I got a bunch of the Oscar-nominated movies from the library. We watched I, Tanya and Lady Bird, Ooh. and The Disaster Artist, and Three Billboards. Ryan, did you know good movies exist? <laughs> That's the problem is we're like, it's like going out to a sit-down restaurant after only eating things I have obtained from 7-Eleven and just sort of marveling at like, wait a minute, no, this doesn't have high, fru- high fructose corn syrup anywhere in the ingredient list. What is this real sugar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although specifically, um, I, I think the only one of those I've seen was Three Billboards. I've been wanting to see I, Tanya. Um, oh, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I've, I've heard that Margot it's... Margot Robbie is so much better than Suicide Squad. Yeah, everything else I've seen Margot Robbie in was like, man, you were slumming it with this Suicide Squad shit. And also because uh, I'm reliably informed that I, Tanya is basically uh, fanfic about Tanya Harding as told by Tanya Harding. Oh, it's basically adaptation, but... Uh, so Charlie Kaufman's adaptation, but Tanya Harding. Very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, also because like she one hundred percent had a hand in breaking Nancy Kerrigan's knee. Like that's that's a shoot. That's you know, on record. <laughs> I I think that she probably so based off of seeing the movie mm-hmm. and you know which is based off of her interviews. I think she she didn't like say go break her knees but she didn't say but don't break her (laughs) knees when you go mess with her yeah yeah i I don't know if yeah there's a there's a lesson in here you know for um plausible deniability wink really big while going don't break nancy kerrigan's kneecaps and then you're in the clear you're fine yeah um so what have you been up to this week well i so um i got uh this uh, game called arc survival evolved which i'm sure every i mean i'm also five years behind everything video game wise um and arc survival evolved is basically is basically like what if we did minecraft but harder and with dinosaurs um and the entire reason I got this game was because my buddy Anna Rogers, um, she plays this game a lot and she's been looking for somebody to play co-op with. And I thought it would be like a fun thing to like, oh, wait a minute, I have PS4. Literally, the point of this is to play with people. Um, and what was amazing was that like, so we were playing and surviving in the woods and, and running from dinosaurs. And then, you know, we, we did this for a couple of hours and I was like, all right, I got to go. But when I quit, it left my character's body behind sleeping and her character, like, she dragged my body and then accidentally lost it somewhere. So, <laughs> I appreciate it. Like, so Ready Player One is already on the horizon. We're like, look, my friend already took my drunk sleeping corpse and lost it in the woods. So, I can't wait to so, have that actually happen to me in real life. So, speaking of Ready Player One, should we make uh, any kind of statements about that film, or do we just need to leave that untouched? Um, I think the only statement I can make about it, because I read about half of the book, would just be L-M-A-O-O-O-O-O. That's my statement about Ready... It, because it's it's very, very silly nonsense, but um, I think Ready Player One... My, my, my problem is, like, with Steven Spielberg, I want to have faith that Steven Spielberg can milk this ideologically empty, shallow-as-a-dinner-plate narrative into something good, but I don't got a lot of faith. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll probably see it once I can get a copy from the library. Uh, so, like, three years from now. Yeah, what's your take but, on it? Uh, it uh, I read the book, and I liked it when I read it, but then I tried to reread it and realized that I do not like that book. Yeah, well, I, and I it's, think... It's, 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 as a thriller, it's really well put together because... It's a page turner. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I read it, I read it straight through. I really had fun with it. And then I reread it. And I was like, oh, all of the Asian characters speak like stereotypical, you know, Asians. And oh, he damsels the shit out of Artemis. And it's like her avatar looks just like her, except she's got, gasp, a port wine stain. And she's such a hideous monster. Oh, no. Jesus. But I'm good because I think she's beautiful, even with her birthmark. And, like, <laughs> extremely yeah, male feminist, of Extremely male feminist voice. I would totally still fuck you, even though you have a birthmark. Exactly, exactly. So it's got some problems. Yeah, I, it's got it's got problems for sure. But I think for me, um, I, I was reading this article that I, th- that I thought was really good, which was, like, uh, Ready Player One happened, and at the time everybody was like, yeah, okay, cool, it's dumb fun. And then um, Gamergate happened, and then he yes. released his second book, Armada, and everybody universally fucking dunked on it. And I think it's because, like, we had seen the worst parts of gamer nerd culture, and then you go back and read Ready Player One, and it's just like, oh, this is... He literally gets Artemis as a trophy, like... It's it's this gross entitled thing, and also, I I think there is something interesting buried in there because like it's such a plug and play logline for a thing is like there's a kid in a trailer park in crapsack world and he goes into virtual reality to have a kind of life because his real life sucks. I'm like that's I feel like you could easily do something with that, but Ernest Cline yeah. is completely just pisses it away and, and the, drowns the, it in references. The world building and the peripherals are wonderful because there is like one line that says when he was a kid, his mom would plug him into the Oasis on Sesame street while she could, so oh, she could go fuck. to work. So the idea that in this world, you're babysat by big bird and Oscar, the grouch plugged into the, you know, Oasis VR is both fascinating and painfully sad i've just figured it out parzival is basically the cable guy because in the cable guy that's how jim carrey turns into that character well i think we've all learned a lot here today um (laughs) so let's talk about howling uh, three oh fuck yes howling three the marsupials the marsupials now I love this goddamn movie. It is... Now, okay, let's jump into it. What's the... How do we describe the plot of Howling 3, The Marsupials? Okay, it's remember how... Remember the howling? What if with pouches? <laughs> yeah, that's... There are yeah, eight howling movies. Eight. That is... That is too goddamn many. What? So, okay, if they've gone to the marsupials by three, by part seven, it's got to... I, I, I want to know, but I'm also scared to know. Well, six is the freak show one. Seven, I've not e. seen. And eight is the Teen Scream reboot. So, so Howling 8 is akin to Friday the 13th. Um, 2009 or Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. Woof. I which I mean my thing is I think uh, Friday the 13th reboot and the Nightmare reboot um, 
I think there's a problem with teen screen reboots where now, for example, let's take like uh, I know what you did last summer versus I will always know what you did last summer. And the first one, it's like, yeah, sure. Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt aren't great actors, but they have a distinct look. There's stuff about them that you can kind of dig into. And then I think the problem with a lot of teen scream reboots is they just find the most blandly inoffensive looking Abercrombie models and shove them in front of a camera and hope that that's enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's another wild thing about Howling 3. Besides the fact that they're literally uh, descended <laughs> from Tasmanian tigers, <laughs> right. is that uh, this movie's rated PG-13. Yes, it is, which is also bizarre to me. Because, well, I mean, okay, okay. There's not that much gore in this but there is a live kangaroo baby where baby birth yeah there's like a weird weird there's like a weird werewolf fetus thing yeah so so fleshy and weird the the where girl gets pregnant and like a marsupial she gives birth to her where baby and it does the crawl up her pubic hair, which she slicks with her own spit so that it's easier right. for the baby to find mm-hmm. her pouch, and then it crawls in and suckles until it grows uh, to a mature size. This movie was the result of cocaine. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> this was... Because you've got that, and you got an Alfred Hitchcock stand-in XB chewing the scenery because there's a film within a film going on. Yes. Um, you've got ballerinas you've got a ballerina turning into a weird tasmanian tiger in the middle of a routine it's it's so much happening and i i I think for me what's fun about it is that like this is a movie that knows how fucking absurd it is and it's just leaning into it yeah they go to see what is basically howling at the movie theater and they have bad purposely bad prosthetics which are just versions of the prosthetics they're using in the movie and uh the girl's like that's not how it goes that this is not an accurate movie (laughs) (laughs) what's yeah what's amazing about it is that like the process of birth and reproduction and sex it all kind of sounds like they filmed a seven-year-old talking about how he imagines these things to work (laughs) where it's like yeah and then you fall out of your mom's butt and fucking you know you're like already a huge baby but um yeah and and you can tell that they're just sort of uh they 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 play it pretty fast and loose with uh anatomy and also marsupials that's not actually spit that's that's mucus in the marsupial pouch. Oh, I, I've learned you, you learn a new thing every day. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I think the Simpsons had a bit about that, where like the Australia episode, where they're like, "Come on, let's jump into these kangaroos to get away," and they hop into the pouch, and it's just like, <laughs> and it's mucus just filled, filled with mucus. So another, this is yet another Australian movie with Mad Max costuming and vehicles. Mm-hmm. Please, please, any of you that are listening from down under, what is going on down there? Are you okay? <laughs> are you guys okay? Are you okay? Because one of, like, I, I've, oddly enough, in the last week, I've watched a non-zero number of Australian horror films, and there's a very, now, and, and this is the thing that I wonder, are people in, for example, Europe... Uh, consuming American horror and is their version mentally of America basically yours and my version of what Australia probably looks like? (laughs) See, I'm trying to think, like, American horror is, like, all Ohio. It all looks like Elm Street. 
Yeah, yeah. It's basically mid- well, okay. It's either Middle America or it's Los Angeles. Like yeah. it's which also Nightmare on Elm Street itself also did, but which in the first movie it's like palm trees in the background and then right. they right by middle like, America yeah, you mean Ohio. shot on location because we don't have budget to go to Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing a scene in Echo Park on a bridge. You know, it's one of those good Ohio palm trees. <laughs> um, and yeah, I it's I love the understandings we get of different cultures by consuming their pop culture. Like, yeah, The Howling 3, I think this, having just watched this after Body Melt, um, holy shit, I just hope everything's going okay over there on the on the other side of the world. I hope you guys are making it through the day. You know what's really fun about uh, following Australians on Twitter. What's up? They're on the they're on the other side of the Dateline, so like they have Christmas like earlier than we do, so like you can get on mm. the day before and watch their Christmas celebration. Their seasons are opposite because they're on the other hemisphere, so like it's all cold and bitter here, and they're all like summer fun. We're having a good time, and <laughs> you know it's just charming. It's it's nice. It is charming. Well, and, and it's also, I mean, my, my first understanding as a human being of Australia was uh, the rescuers down under. Yeah. Um, Mine too. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, yeah. It's it's both that and, and Mad Max the Road Warrior when I watched it when I was a kid with my uncle. So these are my two. It's like, okay, whatever's going on down there, it's either madcap hijinks with mice or post-apocalyptic gas pirates blowing shit up. <laughs> and there's nothing in between that. It's it's one of those two. Um, honestly, The Howling 3, <clears throat> I feel like as a movie, uh, it does drag a little bit. Yes, it has five endings. Because it ends and then flashes forward <laughs> literally 23 years. And then uh-huh. flashes forward another, like, five years. And then... Just so that it can get to the same ending that the Howling One has. Yeah, it kind of pulls a Return of the King a little bit, especially when like, and it's still like a trim what hour and twenty eight minutes. Right. It's it's one like, of those we made it. We finally made it to feature length. <laughs> exactly. Like, God damn it, we're gonna throw everything on this. And also, like, there's put a movie not within a movie. Exactly... Put an exploding. <laughs> werewolf put a dance number in just whatever you have to do whatever it's fine it's fine we got a guy that looks like alfred hitchcock he's gonna fucking chew the scenery and i it i feel like there's not much of a plot to speak of like there's kind of a plot but mostly it's just sort of an excuse for a lot of bizarre weird marsupial scenes yeah there's wear nuns for some reason in this movie that's not really explained we're nuns we're ballerinas and here's the thing I'm not watching Schindler's List. I'm watching The Howling 3, The Marsupials. So, yes, bring on the bizarre, ridiculous, weird marsupial scenes. <laughs> um, so, I feel pretty good now, about that. Now, I, I finally understood why people collect silicone babies watching this, because that baby mm-hmm. weird marsupial puppet is precious it is precious but also quincy i think you might be in too deep researching (laughs) bizarre reborn dolls where it's that thing of get out get out (laughs) kick him (laughs) you start with like a a sick fascination with a thing and then before you know it you you kind of understand it on a deeper level than you care to (laughs) and that's i'm sorry we've, we've lost you we've lost you to the reborn dolls so where on our list would we put the howling three the marsupials what's a better australian movie body melt or howling three 
I gotta go with Body Melt because I think it has a more distinct voice. Yeah, definitely. So, like, I, I think it has a more a more consistent aesthetic, and it's it's trying to do a thing in the way that the Howling Three, the Marsupials, it's not really going for like any of that. So, so we're looking at a ceiling of one fifty. How? What is our absolute floor? What is it definitely better than? I feel like it is definitely better than Return of the Living Dead 3. Okay, that's like at the top of the list? <laughs> wait, wait, No, 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 it's... Return of the Living Dead 3 is at 130. Okay, so you're saying it's better than Body Melt? Yes. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, excuse me. No, I, I thought we were talking about Body Melt for a moment. Right, right. I'm, Body Melt's I'm, at the top, so it's it's the bottom of the list now. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm confused. So, uh... Let's see. I think it's definitely... Okay. The Howling 3, the marsupials, I think it's better than Shallow Water. Yeah, I'll take that because it's feature length, because it's got cute puppets, mm -hmm. because it's, mm -hmm. it's balls to the wall. It is not better than He Took His Skin Off For Me, though. No, it is not, because He Took His Skin Off For Me left me with something that, that I thought about a lot, where Howling 3 was just a sort of uh, airport Cinnabon of a horror movie. So, like a like, marsupial, a wear marsupial snug in a pouch, Howling 3 <laughs> is sliding in at number 162. It, a wear a marsupial Cinnabon is what it is. That's, it's, it's perfect, it's sweet, it goes down smooth. Yes, the Howling okay. 3, the marsupial. So now that we're looking at the bottom of the list, let's talk about high tension. <laughs> yes. I so, hate this movie. Um, Why now, do you like this movie, Ryan? <laughs> Oh, that's now. All right, here's 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 the thing. Uh, I am a sucker for a good ending, and there's something about now. No, here's the thing. no, you know, stop. Okay, it, well, no, the, no, no, no. Okay, no, the not worst the ending, part ending. of the movie is the ending. <laughs> well, no, specifically the bit with. Okay, so we should we should set it up for people who might Listen, not have seen. We are going to spoil this movie, so you gotta either tune in next week or tune in and. I don't know. Can mm -hmm. you do you have a sound effect like the turn the page thing? Um, <laughs> you're like the chime that's like the the you know for the the storybook records. Like, do you have one of those sounds you can drop in? <laughs> no, but I do have a soundboard of like mid '90s uh, shock jock sounds, like a, a flushing toilet or a guy throwing up. Which I'm reliably informed is also how you feel about high tension or haute tension. Um, oh, Tonsil, excuse me. Like, I, I was I was talking in the car about this, and Christina, who speaks French, uh, I, I was like, how how tension? Because I don't fucking uh, it, French. It, I, I struggle. Um, so the plot, for those of you who might not have seen, what I would argue is like the California role of new French extremity films. Definitely. Um, high tension. Uh, it, it's it follows these two friends who are uh, venturing to one of the friend's parents' house in the country in France for the weekend when all of a sudden this big fucking goofster in a jumpsuit, like a mechanic's jumpsuit, uh, just murders the shit out of um, the, the, the friend's parents. And then the protagonist, Marie, um, she sort of, it's like a cat and mouse thing where uh, the big goofster is driving with her friend tied up in the back seat and you don't, you know, obviously he's going to do something terrible to her and lots of people die. And then... So super gory, super sort of fast-paced, and then it gets to the reveal, which is that, shockingly, 
it is Marie who has been doing all of this really horrible, fucked up shit. And it's basically now. All right, let's get into okay, some. It does problematic not work. shit. It, yeah. It's problematic, but also it does not work because right. As a director, Alexandra Aha has failed because you see a dream that Marie has that she's been chasing with the goofster. Okay, mm-hmm. but then she wakes up from the dream. Then yeah. you leave the protagonist and see this guy, you know, having sex with a decapitated head. No one right. sees that but the audience, which right. does not code that it's it's all in Marie's head. Then you see him murder the family, which is no which has no visual cues that it could possibly be her imagination. It, right. it, it comes out of nowhere. There's no hint that this is what it's doing until it does it. So it turns into, what a crazy dream. Yeah, it doesn't give you the chance to figure out that it's actually Marie doing all of this. Yeah, it's like, just, it's trying to be shocking. Well, that and it doesn't, now I and now here's the thing. I, I worry that I've given you the impression that I'm higher on this movie than I am. Because um, I, I like it okay. Uh, but I, I think my beef with it um, on, a, on a couple of levels... First of all, let's talk about the capital P problematic part of this thing. This is a scary lesbian panic uh, murder movie where basically uh, Marie, the protagonist, her repressed sexual desire for her best friend is literally represented on screen as a gross, bejump-suited fuckface who has sex with corpses and murders people and leers and squelches around. Um... And it turns, like, repressed lesbian uh, sexual desire, like, it it presents it as a scary thing. Yes. And it presents Marie as a monster. And it's that that question of what makes a monster a monster. And in this case, it's like, well, her love for her best friend. And it's like, okay, now why would we have that cultural anxiety? Like, and and she also has, like, super short hair. And And for me, the problem with that is that it's like saying, you know, lesbians... They're just like guys, predatory and disgusting. Like, that's the physical manifestation of her repressed desire for her friend. Yeah, it's not a good um, fake Mary Berry. It's, it's rough. <laughs> it's, it's bad news bears. And, and now, my thing is, I think the thing that I appreciate uh, about it <clears throat> is that it does have... It, it managed to take the movement of the New French Extremity, which, now, here's the thing, not my favorite genre. I've watched a lot of New French Extremity films, and... I think a lot of it is sort of all hat and no cattle, where it's you like... You don't like Irreversible? To... I like Irreversible, okay, and I I, I think I, I bear the movie Calvaire a, a grudge, because <laughs> it, it made me feel bad in my soul, which also was the point, so well fucking done, France. But I think my beef with a lot of New French Extremity is that I feel like a lot of it is all hat and no cattle in the regard that you're just going, yeah, isn't that transgressive? And as the audience member, you're going... Yeah, it certainly is. You going anywhere with this? No. Um, and high tension is kind of that. Like, a lot of the death... And now, the thing that I appreciate is that, is that it managed to take the New French Extremity style and a lot of the filmmaking techniques and, again, turn it into a California rule that just about... You know, like, this is a New French Extremity film. You might be able to show your friend and have them talk to you again. Yeah, and um, also, it kind of launched Alexandra Aha's American career. And mm-hmm. he made horns and that um, the Hills Have Eyes remake. So those were pretty good. So, I mean, it gave us some... It, it helped him out. Yeah. Also, that Piranha 3D 
uh, remake. <laughs> Which is where you go after High Tension. And and so I think that my, my thing is I appreciate a good outro, and I think the actor... Now, here's the thing. There aren't any weak performances in this. No, I think there's not. And the it's a- shot expertly. Yeah, like the framing is perfect. Like, I think this succeeds for me, at least on the, on, on the level of the actor who plays Marie is so good. The ending of this movie... I, now, and here's the... I saw this at a, at a high school sleepover in 2004. And that last scene fucking haunted me where, like, her friend goes to, to visit... Or not, not exactly visit her, but go, goes to look at Marie behind a one-way mirror in the mental health facility. And Marie is rocking back and forth, whispering, I'm not going to let anyone come between us anymore, over and over again. And the friend says to the, the, the lab-coated doctor next to her, like, she can't see me, right? And then Marie slowly sees like slowly looks over and her face lights up and she just reaches out and then hard cut to the credits and you've got muse playing in the background which i think muse does great outro music yeah yeah um like that that scene really really fucking worked for me um but i feel like we kind of can't look away from the gross lesbophobic tone of the thing and also it doesn't make sense because after Marie, like, in effigy, kills her sex drive with a bat covered in barbed wire. When she's chasing her friend through the woods after the reveal, he's, like, she's, like, morphing back into the jumpsuit guy. And it's like, no, just be Marie. We know that now. We, we Yes, we get it. We know Norman Bates is fucking Norma. Like, you don't need to visualize her as the scary manifestation of her lesbian id. Yeah, yeah. It's It's got some issues with explaining that it's that concept that's only kind of half baked it's that but what if mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that the what guy if. who hangs out of your dorm room and talks about conspiracy theories and you say there's no evidence for that he's like but but what if there was <laughs> high it, tension yeah. is the flat earther of new french extremity <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So um, so what's got a more disappointing ending? The ending of The Village or the ending of High Tension? Oh, The Village. Easily, easily, easily. Now, I think <clears throat> the ending for me, even if, and it's not on me to look past this because I'm, it's not my ass on the chopping block here as a, as a, a, a white uh, dude, but, but I think taking, like, even, even overlooking the lesbophobic part of, like, yeah, scary lesbian trying to both make out with and kill her friend i feel like the action is good enough that it it now that you pointed out like once you realize that they don't earn that reveal in any way although they kind of do because every time marie starts either rubbing one out or feeling attraction toward her friend that's when um jumpsuit goofser pops out again Okay, that um, actually makes makes it a little bit better, but it's so subtle that it's taken me, like, four viewings to... And you saying that for me to go, oh, yeah, that does happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she, like, spots her through a window while she's bathing, and then, surprise, jumpsuit goofster. Um, the action really wor- uh, works for me, and I think also that soundtrack. Like, I've watched too many new French Extremity films where the soundtrack is basically harsh sawing violins and electronic noise. And I appreciate a film that's sort of going, yes, this is meant to be consumed by people. Let's maybe put in a fucking soundtrack and even a Muse song over the credits. So. Yeah, yeah. 
So, is it better than Fear.com? It is definitely better than Fear.com. You're saying it's better than a website that's haunted by ghosts and also is Fear.com.com? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's better than that, at least because we I don't have to listen to a monologue about God and the Ten Commandments in high tension. I just <laughs> I get I get the nation of France waggling its fingers at me going boo scary lesbians and that's different than we're going to chew on the bones of David Fincher's 7 again. Okay, so what is better, Castle Freak or High Tension? <sighs> well, what all right, what do you th- what do you think? Um Castle Freak has uh her queen majesty Barbara Crampton in it. It certainly does. It also has a castle freak that rips his own dick off. <laughs> Man, you're you're pretty down the list for this. Like you really do not care for high tension. Okay, you're, okay, you're, where you're already... where do you think it's fair to go? I'm I'm being pretty mean. Oh, that's oh no, that's fair. I you know, and and the thing is, I honestly, you take away that uh, that outro and the final scene you see in this, and I'm like, ah, it's whatever. Um, and that's not exactly fair to rate a movie entirely, although, although, Seating of a Ghost, that third act is what makes that movie great. That's true, and it's but, pretty high. Oh, it's, it's, it is pretty high. Now, I, 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 in good, now, and also, I think it's notable as a movie because it's, it's usually the first French horror movie that I think most people in the United States have probably seen. Yes. So, speaking of other baby's first mid-2000s horror movies, how does it stack up Mm -hmm. against House of a Thousand Corpses? A movie that notoriously is disjointed and is not earned. (laughs) Not a goddamn part of it. Dr. Satan, what the Um, fuck is that? (laughs) You can't... Dr. Satan. Rob, you can't do that. No, it's fine. Just throw in a guy called Dr. Satan. robot drill devil in the movie. (laughs) Behold, fish boy. Um, fucking House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I feel like it's probably better than House of a Thousand Corpses because even though the message of the film is fucking repugnant, at least it's kind of about something. Yeah. Okay, well now... House of a Thousand Corpses is a Rob Zombie music video that lasts for an hour and a half. Okay, so now we're back up to Return of the Living Dead 3, as you originally said. (laughs) Haha, vindication. Um I don't uh I Alright, which alright, Friday night test for you. Lip Return of the Living Dead 3 with my girlfriend who self-mutilates as a zombie or high tension boo scary lesbians. Oh that's really hard. Okay, for <laughs> effects work. You have mm-hmm. the, although it's stupid looking, they made a bodysuit of her nude body that they could pierce with glass and wires and shit. So, like, that's, that's true. pretty that impressive. Pretty also, the exoskeleton zombies are really dope. But on the other hand, that's... you have some of the best, like, set design, hashtag aesthetic, and just gore in high mm-hmm. tension that that looks really good, too. Yeah, the thing is, that that first kill in the movie with the father who gets his head trapped between the slats of the banister and then gets his head clipped off with a dresser, that made me yell the first time I saw it. 
out loud with my voice. See, here's how awful I I am. When I first saw that back when the movie came mm-hmm. out, I thought that was cheesy mm-hmm. because I was like, nobody's head crumples like a watermelon if you hit it with a dresser. <laughs> That's true. You're you're getting anatomical. Sort of, <laughs> oh, come, let's let 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 let's let's scale it back a little bit, friends. <laughs> um, I now actually. I would, I, I hate to, I'm, I'm going to bury it a little farther down the list. I think Friday Night Test between Hardware, which features Iggy Pop as a DJ, Dylan McDermott, Killer Robots, and... Lemmy as a riverboat put, captain. <laughs> Lemmy as a riverboat captain. I'm putting on Hardware. I do think High Tension is better than The Sword and the Claw because, again, it's gross, but it's about something and it has a distinct visual style. <laughs> um... <laughs> Which it's I don't know if that's a, a point. A it... cocaine nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Although actually, I don't want to set a precedent here. With look, the thing it's saying may be disgusting, but it, 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 say what you will about the National Socialists. At least they have an ethos, dude. Like I don't, I don't want to say like just be. I mean, sure, it's disgusting, but at least it's a thing. But basically, you're saying does... you are not allowed to eat raw meat on camera <laughs> if you want to go above <laughs> high tension. <laughs> Exactly. And I think also that is one reading of High Tension is boo scary lesbians, but I mean there is it it at least fits into the larger larger cultural conversation and horror of deadly women and unconventional women and scary women and there aren't I I mean she gets to be a character that there's kind of not a lot of in horror outside of like what sleepaway camp? Yeah, or, which is which is not good company. Which is but itself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So Don't I think forget, Sleepaway Camp is number 217 on our list. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, so yeah, so going by that, I would put High Tension in between uh, Hardware from 1990 and The Sword and the Claw at number 135. All right. So let's dive into some of these listener requests. So Ryan, yes, why I'm... don't you tell our listeners how they can contact us and get their listener requests to us? Well, the way that listeners can get... And now, if you're listening to the show and you've heard us babbling on and on about the French and you're like, ugh, but when are they going to talk about Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town? Then the way that you do that is you email us at uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com or you head over to our Tumblr at rankandvile.tumblr.com and you drop that request in the ask box. Ask box. Um, and and this is the way that we are able to do it because largely, like, if you just tweet at rankandvilecast on Twitter... We it will get buried in our notifications because we're busy tweeting about butts and we will lose the plot. So tears definitely in the rain, either folks. email. Tears in the rain. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's like it's like that raccoon trying to wash cotton candy before he eats it, and it just it just goes. He never sees it again. So yeah, so that is where you're going to want to send it. Um, the first movie, uh, the first movie that I'd like to dig into that was requested was um, Sarah Gailey wants us to uh, talk about Leatherface from 2017, which is the most recent uh, addition to the Texas Chainsaw uh, franchise. Thanks, Sarah. I have not seen it. <laughs> oh, boy. I have seen Leatherface. So, um, what'd you think? Well, it wastes, it utterly wastes having Steven Dorff in a horror movie. That's um, not a good start. Not a good start. Uh, Leatherface is fucking abominable it is terrible there has now here's here's the thing not uh no movie in the texas chainsaw franchise past part two has been good this is one of the most consistently shitty franchises outside of a movie that i stress again 
was our num is is what is still our number one is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, and every franchise just gets worse and worse. And so Leatherface 2017 tries to yet again do a different version of Leatherface's backstory and how he came to be Leatherface. When and will directors learn that what makes Leatherface good is knowing nothing about him? Yeah, he's a cipher. Like he's what makes Leatherface interesting is that he's basically a child. Like, he's easily bullied by his family, and as scared as those kids are, Leatherface is way more terrified. Like, when he's screaming, he's screaming because he's scared. He doesn't really want to be doing what he's doing either, but he's dominated by his family. Um, and they, they keep managing to take a tragic figure and trying to add a David Fincher filter over it and make it like oh it's so gritty he's really into i I don't know i don't know i don't know um so how does it stack up to another recent lionsgate release hellraiser judgment oh it's oh god i hate them both so much (laughs) oh god this is like asking me whether i want to cram a syringe in my dick hole or shave my eyeballs um or watch faces of death which is right underneath (laughs) that Spaces of death. Um, now, I would probably put this above Faces of Death. But I, is it better it's... than Hellraiser Judgment? You know what, actually? It is. N- I can't even believe I'm going to say this. It is not as good as Hellraiser Judgment. <laughs> okay. Um, so it, lacks good... the, it lacks the verve and restraint of Hellraiser Judgment. <laughs> Um, it, and, lacks, and, 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 it lacks the restraint <laughs> of this movie about demons with chains that come out of nowhere. Fuck. And, well, okay. And the other thing I want to say about Leatherface 2017, first of all, wastes Steven Dorff, which is just fucking unforgivable. And the other thing that it does that drives me crazy is it completely telegraphs who Leatherface is because it follows this group of, like, troubled teens, and they're, like, on the lam, and... They keep trying to misdirect you into thinking that this one teen, who's a big, hulking, squeam, like sort of quiet, weird guy, it's going, oh, that guy kind of looks like a young Gunner Hansen, doesn't he? It sure can't be the protagonist, who's basically a good person who gets so upset he turns into fucking Leatherface. It, oh, buddy. it Now, okay, I'm, if we had... Texas Chainsaw, uh, the beginning on this list, I would probably put Leatherface 2017 above that, but only by a little, because I bear that movie such a fucking grudge. Is that the one with Arlie Ermy? Yeah, yeah, that was in the uh, the Arlie Ermy sons in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah, I saw that one Arlie in the Ermy... theater, damn it. <laughs> that was a bad yeah. movie. Oh, it was real bad, but also Arlie Ermy was in the 2003 reboot um, as an evil cop, although I love that the beginning... Um, sets up this world where if you're uh, if you kill a cop and take their ba- oh we've talked about this yeah like yeah if you yeah kill a cop, if you kill a cop and take their badge you are a cop <laughs> you're a cop now you steal their I think power we might have cut their that on. because we were like that is not that's not a good look to <laughs> yeah that's it we didn't want to okay well look we're not endorsing that we're we're just saying it's funny um, it's so, part of the uh, lore <laughs> it is established. <laughs> It's part of the world building of the Texas Chainsaw series. Uh, so yeah, so, so number I feel pretty 204. Good. Yeah, yeah, better than Faces of Death, not as good as Hellraiser Judgment. Okay, next on Thank our you, list Sarah. is Wolf Creek 2. Uh, Justin Davis uh, sent us that. Uh, <sighs> I've not Johnny seen this Five one either. Um, another Australian movie. Is there a big truck in it? 
there's a uh, there is a big truck mick T- <laughs> mick tyler um he drives a big fucking he drives two different big trucks in wolf creek too because he wrecks the fucking, man. <laughs> fucking Australia, he big wrecks, trucks he wrecks the first big truck and then gets a bigger truck quincy he fucking <laughs> there are so many trucks in this movie and this is just validating all of our bizarre beliefs about the nation of australia so where um, do you want to put wolf creek to well okay 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 hold on let's i hate this movie i hate everything about wolf creek and wolf creek too it, do you hate it more than dracula untold oh i hate it way more than dracula untold because at least dracula untold gives us charles dance loitering in a cave so what like, did wolf creek 2 do to you ryan I'll tell you what it did to me. Have you have you seen the first Wolf Creek? I've not seen any of the Wolf Creek franchise. Okay, so I want you to imagine uh, an Australia an exploitation film that's basically a shitty smoothie made out of blended parts of Joyride and Jeepers Creepers and Hostel. Okay, it's about this fucking dude in the Australian outback named Mick Taylor who uh he's real xenophobic and he doesn't like any of these foreigners coming to australia so he like tortures them and it's 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 all right here's the thing it's stupid and gross it is pointless it goes nowhere wolf creek one was bad wolf creek two is much much worse because it starts out with these two um german uh young folks these these pyts going backpacking across australia and we have to, for some reason, watch, like, slideshows of their fun vacation for, like, the first ten minutes, and I don't fucking give a shit, where it's them, like, skinny dipping and whatever. And then they're camping in a park, and Mick, Mick Taylor comes up to them, and he's like, I'll give you, like, I'll give you a ride out to whatever. And then they're like, no, we're good, and then he kills the shit out of the dude. Um, he uh, looks like he is about to rape the lady, and then the lady, like, gets away and gets rescued by some rando fucking Calrissian who picks her up in his big truck. He has a big truck. And, she, like, she dies. But So is that, that three big trucks? That is three big trucks out here in Australia <laughs> doing it. Um, and the dude that gives her the ride, um, Mick Taylor starts pursuing that guy. A whole bunch of nothing happens. He kidnaps the guy, ties him up in a basement... And he's like, all right, we're going to play a fun game where I ask you trivia about Australia. And every one that you get wrong, I'm going to chop your finger off. But you, if you get at least five out of ten of these, I'll let you go. And it's like, I feel like why the you're f- shitting me. Like, I feel I like not you're you. lying to me. You, I wish, I wish to God I were shitting you. It, it has no real plot. It shifts who the protagonist is several times. It... And then the end of it, he's, like, running through these catacombs endlessly and finding other Mick Taylor victims, and then Mick Taylor... This doesn't make any goddamn sense. He delivers this monologue to this kid, okay? Where he's like, you know, there are people like me and people like you, and people like me eat people like you for breakfast, and I'm a winner, and you're... And then he headbutts the kid, fade to black. Kid wakes up in his underwear on the pavement, holding a piece of paper that says, Loser. And then we get a postscript where it's like, and anyway, that guy went to a mental health facility forever because he was so scarred by the experience of Mick Taylor. And then it just fucking ends. Yeah, that's Um, that's trash. So what's a worse torture movie, Honeymoon or Wolf Creek 2? (sighs) Honeymoon is definitely worse than Wolf Creek 2 because at the very least, 
um, J- uh, John Jarrett, who I keep accidentally calling Jeff Jarrett. Now I'm just picturing wrestler Jeff Jarrett, like <laughs> torturing people with an a, a acoustic guitar. <laughs> with an acoustic guitar, and just doing going, that like, chicken strut. Up. <laughs> yep, yep. He's just yeah, chopping body parts off, doing the chicken strut, and yelling, "Ain't I great?" In the Australian outback. Um, but at least John Jarrett looks like he's having fun. I guess he's a fine actor. Um, so at least going by that, it's better than Luna Damiel. However, I cannot even believe I'm going to say this. It is also better than Gremlin from 2017. <laughs> is it better than um, Open Water? Ooh, no. It's, mm, it's not as good as Open Water. Because both of them are pointless fucking shit shows. But at least Open Water didn't make me watch john jarrett threaten to rape two different people throughout the course of a movie which here's the thing if you're a film if you're a horror filmmaker you don't just get to pepper that shit in there as a fun ooh, isn't he evil thing yeah like, it's it's 2018 and i know this movie was made in like 2003 but um come on no no 2013 actually jesus it had come on it man. had no excuse <laughs> and also our sponsor shutter hi shutter we love you um there is a Wolf Creek TV we gotta series watch currently running. Oh my God, we! I would rather die, but also, yeah, we do. We gotta. <laughs> it, we gotta it's our this. duty, Quincy. We gotta take this. Yeah, we do. With, we do. Why would we listen? So, do you think if you made a compilation of the first like thirty seconds of every episode, you can hear, you can pinpoint when your soul breaks when you say we rank every <laughs> horror movie? <laughs> Because every week it's a little yeah, bit it's... more morose. <laughs> every horror. I, I feel like that's because I'm, I'm sort of like, ugh. I should I, I should do different variations on how I do the intro in terms of inflection and tone. But yeah, you're right. I think now, it's, just it's me just, going it's... every every goddamn horror movie ever. It's it, it's every time someone looks at this list and said, "Have you watched all of these?" And it's that uh, scene from The Simpsons where Lily <laughs> says, "Please don't tell people how I live." <laughs> The shame. We've done over. We've now done two hundred twenty-five with the addition of goddamn Wolf Creek at two twenty-one. Which is also funny because I love doing this podcast, but it's also it's like the two of us are doing a podcast where we find the worst smells we can find (laughs) in the world. To be fair, we get to watch good movies sometimes. Oh, we do. Listen, this this podcast is how we found fucking ghost watch yeah. um we've we've yeah yeah we got to take the good with the bad and sometimes the bad involves inept torture porn in the australian outback well, and that's just like you know? large numbers there's more bad than there's gonna be good <laughs> it's it's sturgeon's law like 90 percent 90 percent of it is shit but 90 percent of anything is shit okay so kelly lagore has two requests she requests ghoulies which i have never mm-hmm. seen oh man i've heard it will get me in the end though it will get you in the end Okay, so what's better, Gremlins or Ghoulies? Gremlins, definitely Gremlins. Ghoulies, listen, uh, to quote Badass Billy Gunn's theme song, the best surprises always sneak up from behind. Um, (laughs) It's a, it's about, it's about monsters popping out of toilets, biting people's assholes, Um, and also. So it's number one on the list, right? <laughs> number one above Texas Chainsaw. And I love it because it's such an elemental, like, childhood fear of, like, I'm going to try to take a shit, and then <laughs> this fucking evil fraggle is going to pop out and bite my asshole. <laughs> um, 
You know, there's you know in Ghoulies Three they go to college. <laughs> yes, they do. It's called Ghoulies Go to College. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And also, we uh, gotta Blackie watch that one for show. <laughs> Oh, we certainly do. Listen, if we're gonna do the Howling Three, the Marsupials, we def need to do Ghoulies Three. But since you haven't seen that one, you have seen Troll Two, right? Yeah. All right. I have also seen Troll Two. Well, wait, uh, so wait. Kelly have Lador... you seen Ghoulies all the way through? Oh. Oh, I've definitely seen Ghoulies all the way through. Well, we can put um, it on the list, unless you want to oh, table it. Oh, good, good, it. good. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, all right, now I have to figure out where to put toilet monsters that bite people's assholes. Okay, is it uh, better than Freddy's Dead? Oh, it's definitely not better than Freddy's Dead. Maniac um, Cop at least 2. Because, also because Freddy's Dead um, also has uh, a Roseanne cameo, which I feel like it I does. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Roseanne and Tom Arnold, her 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 flame at the time. Um, I think okay, okay, off top, I'm gonna put Ghoulies below Castlevania season one, above the Devil's Rejects. Okay. Because the Devil's Rejects is overrated and not that good. The only problem with that is that puts it above Night of the Demons. Ooh, that's not right, is it? No, so no, that can't be right. But it's definitely better than it stains the sands red because you know what? Even if it does revolve around unholy possessed Muppets that pop out of the toilet, I would rather watch that than it stains the sands red again. Okay, so one twenty-eight, right under Night of the Demons, and right above it stains the sands red. Yep, one twenty-eight. Okay, bam. Next, we're talking about. Troll 2, so scroll to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, I was so hoping that you would say scroll to the top of the list, because... Uh, it's great. I, it's so fun. I love it. It's got I a perfect it. score. It is... Yeah, it, does. It, it, like the room, is inscrutably bad. It's a modern marvel of cinema that the movie is as bad as it is. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is sublimely, transcendently bad. Um, also, fun trivia fact, I found out mm-hmm. that the sequel to Ator, The Fighting Eagle, have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. No. Which is just, it's it's a uh, Italian, almost porno Conan ripoff. Um, <laughs> okay. But the third Ator movie reuses the masks from the trolls for the Hobgoblin villains. So that means we can rank Ator 3 <laughs> on this list at some point. <laughs> So wait, a Conan porn parody. Bonan? Bonan? <laughs> Bonan the Barbarian? Anyway. Um, so, There's a spider uh, cult. 2... It's not a snake cult. It's a spider cult. It's, yes. Now, Troll 2, I, I quickly want to talk... I mean, obviously we could talk about Troll 2 for fucking hours because of how much there is there. But I think the the money shot of Troll 2 for me, the the best performance in this and the most honestly spoken line is the scene where one of the teenage boys, uh, uh, evil witch lady, uh, sneaks into the RV, and she's got an ear of corn, and she's like, do you like popcorn? He's like, I like popcorn. And she's like, well, we'll just have to heat it up. And then you watch them both chew on the same ear of corn, and then they both get drowned in popcorn. And then the kid, later on, who does not die, she just, like eats popcorn with him um he just is picking popcorn out of his dumb face and just says no more no more popcorn and then it cuts and i think about that moment every goddamn day also it's just no more don't forget that this movie is a response to the screenwriter being annoyed by her vegetarian friends oh yeah she's taking them down a peg this is what you look like (laughs) 
So what's a more what's a Friday night test? Gremlins two or Trolls two? Oh, that was that uh, Quincy Chef's Kiss. That was a perfect place to start. Is Gremlins two or uh, Troll two? I would Friday night test. I would probably rather watch Troll 2 because it's like comfort food and I've seen it so many times. Okay, so how high should it go? Should it go above Demons or is that like way too high on the list? I would say it should go above Demons because here's the thing. We also weigh the cultural conversation around the thing and Troll 2 is such a great example of like why I don't really care for trauma films and I do like movies like Troll 2 which is, you can tell that the director of this film and all of the actors in it really think they are making a fucking great movie. Yeah. And there's a, there's a sincerity there that I feel like whenever, it's like that thing of like whenever somebody who, you know, kind of knows me is like, hey, Ryan, the new Sharknado's coming out. You probably love those movies, right? And it's like, well, no, they're stupid and I hate them, but hey, an but... earnestly bad movie. But let me tell you, they're making Archie versus Sharknado, and that shit is going to rule. <laughs> the thing is that you're, you're I, I think you're a mark for Archie added to anything. <laughs> like, if it's anybody meets Archie, you're like, yeah. Because, yeah, and this is not new information, Chris Sims has a really good article on this, friend of the show, Chris mm-hmm. Sims. Um, mm-hmm. Archie are teenage archetypes, so any horror skin that you want to paste over them works because they're all the dumb teenagers in a slasher movie. That's a really good point. They're pretty plug-and-play for just about anything. You can bring in Predator, you can bring in Kiss. You can bring in Punisher. It all works. Shit, that's a really great point. You see, now you... I, I'm, I'm actually the scrub for not reading Archie, because yeah. you've oh, you oh, fucking Archie's get it amazing. and you kind of figured out. Yeah. Well, you know, like, th- don't thank me. Thank the the wonder the rich <laughs> world of comic book criticism and comic book podcasts, who we stole the format <laughs> for our show. Absolutely, yeah. From whom we wholesale ripped off our entire gimmick. <laughs> um, which so, I, I also, I mean, but it's fine. You see, if you cop to it, that that means it's okay. Right. So I'm looking at the list, and I'm definitely okay with putting Troll 2 above Demons, but I don't feel right putting Troll 2 above Tragedy Girls. Me neither. I Because Tragedy Girls, I mean, there's also a cultural, cultural conversation around that one, and it's probably more important than the conversation around Troll 2. Tragedy Girls is the new wave in horror cinema, so get right or get left. Yeah, get right or get left, and also, at least we're going to, you know, honestly, in 10 years when people are doing retrospectives and still talking about Tragedy Girls, we're going to have the smug satisfaction of having totally called it. Yeah, we saw it when it came out, and we knew that that is something special. It really, really is. Or, it's going to be like fucking Dead and Breakfast, and it'll go out of print, and no one will remember it, and I'll be struggling to find a copy of it again. I, I found, I, I can't even, my God, my mind to your mind. I was actually yesterday watching a Put Locker link to Dead and Breakfast. You mean a redacted link to <laughs> Dead and Breakfast? <laughs> yeah, redac- yeah I'll, go back and, I'll go back and redact where I, I found that copy of Dead and Breakfast. But yeah, I mean, also, I love, I always forget about the It's movie. a You've zombie musical, goddammit. <laughs> it's a zombie musical. You've got Diedrich Botter, J- David Carradine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeffrey soul. Dean Morgan as a goofy sheriff. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's very good. But well, 
we're out of time. Thank you for all of our listeners that sent us in requests. If you sent in a request and we haven't get, gotten to it, don't despair. We will get to all of them because we have no intention of stopping this this experiment, this social experiment. Yeah. I, I am one hundred percent convinced that uh, my, uh, that Justin uh, requested that I do Wolf Creek too, just because he knows I'm going to suffer. Um, because, and it's the thing of, listen, sharing your suffering cuts it in half, you know, like this is, as long as you've made somebody else, it's the crab barrel thing. Like, listen, if I've gone through some shit, everyone's got to go through some shit. But before we go, I've got to tell you about Bombas socks. Yes, please. Listen, it's been a tough week. I'm not getting a lot of sleep. I work on my feet all day. It's been Mm -hmm. raining. But the, the balm of Gilead this week has been my Bombas. These cushy-ass socks that wick away moisture have an extra padded heel. And it's just a nice thing that keeps it, me going. It prevents blisters. Listen, it comes in fun colors. I am wearing my Bombas right now because it's the sweet, sweet yield of doing a podcast as you get enamel pins and socks <laughs> sometimes. And Bombas, honestly, I... Uh, I love these socks so much because, and, and it's one of those small, you know, that thing of when you're fucking dirt poor and it's like small luxuries that get you through the day. It's like that one expensive cup of coffee you get a week or it's those little things. And for me, it's motherfucking Bombas Look, because if you get five pairs, you're set for life. Yeah. If you just make the investment to get a week's worth of these socks, like Emily and I fight over the no-shows. Like, she wears them, and, like, I'll have to run to the sock drawer, or I'll, like, set my alarm 30 minutes earlier so I can wear them that day, and she won't get to wear my socks. Listen, socks are not a renewable resource. The Bombas must flow. (laughs) But, good news, uh, our listeners can go to bombas.com slash rank, and they can get 20% off with code rank. So join our fun and wear some great cozy socks. Yeah, yeah, and you'll you know you'll be helping you'll be helping us out. You'll be getting good socks. It's it's a good time. All really, around. we're doing um, this for you. We're we're, we're not yes. doing this. We're not in this for the money. We're in this to share cozy <laughs> socks. Exactly. We 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 have only uh, your foot comfort in mind. Our hands look um, like these, so your feet can look like these. <laughs> <coughs> Which oh I realize God. does yeah. not work on the, the audio medium. <coughs> well, well, I mean, you know, listen, doing using the trackpad on my laptop when I edit the podcast, you know, I'm, I'm my my right middle finger is. Um, <laughs> it's it's really seen some shit. You can really see the mileage on it. Loving that podcast life. So, uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Our listeners can find us 24-7 on twitter.com at RankinVileCast. They can find us on Instagram at RankinVile. They can go to that Tumblr, RankinVile.tumblr.com. That might not be work safe. If, If you do go to our Tumblr and you're at work, use Tumblr Saver. We tag everything gore. It gets a little goopy over there. Unless you got like a really open-minded boss, you know. He's into into some shit, you know. If your boss Um, is a total fucking ghoul, then you might get a promotion (laughs) for visiting our Tumblr. Which my boss is a total ghoul, which I think is how I get away with watching the vile things I watch at work. 
Um, you can also, yeah, so uh, on Tumblr at Rankin Vile, um, on Instagram at Rankin Vile, um, which is d- done entirely by Quincy, who does the Lord's work over there on the Insta. And oh, yeah, uh, I think. And then obviously, if you want to uh, request any movies, which I think, honestly, Quincy, this episode was a pretty good haul. Yeah, we got for... some. We got lucky. Um, also, if you're listening on iTunes and you could rate and review us, that would be super awesome. Um, I will mm-hmm. even mail you cool stuff if you want to uh, email the email with email the email with a picture of your <laughs> with a link to your review and your mailing address. I'll send you some trash out of my house. Uh, yeah, because getting because obviously getting. Getting those good five-star reviews is how we rise to the top of the iTunes charts and make everybody share our suffering about things like Wolf Creek, And too. also, you know, if you don't like iTunes or don't feel like doing a review, just tell someone about us. Uh, we're a pretty small um, podcast. We've only been doing this for a year, and um, we don't spend money on advertising, so it really helps us out. It really does. Um, but, barring that, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Awesome. Have a week, folks. Bye, guys. <laughs>